Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. The following podcast contains... Now, I had heard that word at least ten times a day from my old man. My father worked in profanity the way other artists might work in oils or clay. It was his true medium, a master. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you made a guy named Han Osho Solo a national news story, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host Dave Bledsoe and this is a Friday, July 7th, 2017. All we have to fear is the Tweet Itself edition of the show where we talk about the state of media in America. Again, stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Easy Eddie's Journalism Academy. We make the news. Are you looking to break into the fast-paced, high-intensity world of journalism but don't want to waste all those time taking needless college courses? Easy Eddie's Journalism Academy offers you a certified credential in journalism in just six weeks. You'll learn the art and science of finding sources, fact-checking, crafting leads, and headlines. Fast, easy, fun. Graduates of Easy Eddies are found in the most dynamic media entities in America today. Infowars, The Daily Caller, and of course, Breitbart. Now is the time to break into the expanding world of journalism, and Easy Eddie's Cup Reporter Package is just $9,999. Compare that to a four-year J-School degree. Use the promo code Jimmy Olson at checkout and get a free reporter's notebook. Easy Eddie's Journalism Academy. Democracy dies in darkness, and we're turning out the lights. There's so many show-offs in journalism, so many braggarts and jerks. They're always selling, always working the room, always trying to make themselves look hotter than they actually are. The good news is, reporters like that make it easy to distinguish yourself. If you're even a little bit humble, a little self-effacing or solicitous, you stand out. So you bring a coworker lunch if he's buried under a deadline. You remember birthdays. It's true, journalism is hard work. Everybody's under pressure. Everybody's grinding to get the issue out. Nobody's getting any sleep, but you are allowed to smile every once in a while. <laughs> I mean, even Woodward and Bernstein went out for a burger now and then, and they won a Pulitzer. Some reporters think it's political content that makes a story memorable. I think it's the people you find. Their quirks, their flaws, what makes them funny, what makes them human. Journalism is just the art of capturing behavior. You have to know who you're writing for, and you have to know what you're good at. I record what people do. I find out what moves them, what scares them, and I write that down. That way, they're the ones telling the story. And you know what? Those kind of pieces can win Pulitzers, too. The orange testicular torsion is out of the country this week, which is a lot like having your angry, demented relative spend a few nights at your sister's house. You're incredibly relieved to have him out of your hair for a while, but you're also terrified of what he's going to do. But this allows me to catch up on some housekeeping around the podcast. I've been wanting to go back and talk about the changing role of journalism in the times of Trump, and last week Grandpa Donnie shat out a tweet in which he was beating up a suited dude with a CNN logo and posed over his head. The origin of the video of the tweet came from a Trump's pro-wrestling days. 
Yes, America, you really did elect a dude that frequently appeared on professional wrestling. I'm not going to say it was the best decision I ever made. Well, about 62 million of you apparently did. The incredibly unclever edit was created by some rando Trump toad who goes by the name Han Asshole Solo and was posted to Reddit's R of the Donald, you know, Toad Central. It was embedded into a tweet from Trump's personal account to his umpteen million followers, although I would say at least half of those followers are either journalists or people who, like me who follow him just out of sheer hate. The reaction to the tweet was uh, dramatic. The common consensus among the media was the idiot tweet was just one step from advocating journalists being rounded up and shot. There were expressions of shock and consternation. A huge number of media personalities, I will eschew the word journalist in this context, lamented the shocking behavior as though this was the worst thing Trump has ever done. As though a poorly edited clip of Vince McMahon's body with CNN logo on his head being fake tackled to the ground is the equivalent of Putin ordering the murder of an inconvenient reporter. Hello, media types, have you been around for the last two years? And then there's the backlash against the backlash of the backlash. I understand that's confusing. For some reason, it became relevant to an already stupid story that we know who created the idiot video in the first place. Because this was important somehow. Intrepid reporters dug into the posting of the history of the creator to find... Surprise! A slew of racist and anti-Semitic posts. Wow. Really. I'm shocked. Shocked, I tell you, to find a MAGA troll on Reddit is posting hateful shit. The artist who made this Truffaut-esque film seems to have figured out the jig was up and posted an apology and deleted his post. CNN's K-File team filed a story with the regrettable line that reads to the effect of, uh, we're not going to name this person's name because he's a private citizen, but uh, we, uh, and he apologized, but uh, we reserve the right to do so if the behavior changes. This immediately created a narrative that CNN was blackmailing the poster of the video and the steady accumulation of the bullshit ball rolling down Trump Mountain, the poster turned into a teenage boy. CNN reporters clarified that he was not 15 and did not feel as though he was being blackmailed. It was a 45-year-old man who was mortified that his 15-year-old behavior was about to become very public. As of this recording, the person has not come forward to claim otherwise. None of this is, of course, stopping the stupid train from barreling over the broken bridge spanning nonsense gulf, turning this ridiculous story about a stupid tweet by a dotty old racist celebrating a dumbass video created by a moronic middle-aged racist into a national fucking story that completely obscures the real shit happening in the world. Why? Because apparently the media is alarmed. Let's talk about some real shit, you know, for a change. According to the Committee to Protect Journalists, around the world, 18 journalists were killed in the line of duty since January of 2017. 254 were imprisoned in 2016, and 54 are currently missing. Russia, the Middle East, and Mexico dominate the list of the most dangerous countries to be a reporter. Since 1992, seven journalists in the United States have been murdered, the most recent of which was the killing of Allison Parker and Adam Ward live on the air in 2015 by what could be best described as a disgruntled employee of the TV station, or more accurately, another whacked-out fucking American exercising his Second Amendment rights. The only politically motivated murder of a journalist in recent U.S. history was a radio host by the name of Allen Berg, who was killed by white supremacists in 1984. 
There were other murder journalists whose deaths were never conclusively proven to be politically motivated, and if they were, it was by state-sponsored agents from a foreign nation. The closest we've come in this country to a reporter being attacked for doing their job by a politician was a few weeks ago when Guardian reporter Ben Jacobs was body-slammed by a Montana Republican congressional hopeful, Greg Gianforte. Jacobs wasn't seriously injured, Gianforte was charged, confessed, and was, of course, elected the day following this occurrence. So, uh, you know, a tweet is not exactly the same thing as when you put it next to reporters in Juarez being shot dead in the streets. I, I think, comparing the two, the tweet comes across a little... Both sad and pathetic. This might all sound a bit strange coming from me, an avowed J-junkie and free speech fanboy, and the problem of how the administration demonizes the media and its chilling respect on free and independent press is a serious fucking deal. But if the media goes into a frenzy every time Trump tweets out a turd during his morning dump, it does nothing to address the fundamental and basic problem. I haven't had a proper shit in six days. No, Gavin, the problem is not constipation. It's the opposite. Axios released an article on Wednesday that said that roughly 50% of Americans trusted CNN more than Trump. Which says a lot about CNN, really. It says that it's fucking sad. Because CNN is horrible, but it is not dishonest, or as the president likes to say, fake. Trump has never met a lie he didn't speak. And what's worse, 89% of Republicans trust the tangerine bullshitter more than CNN. If you cannot get more than half of the people to trust you more, more than a man with more verbal tells of mendacity than Tommy fucking Flanagan from Saturday Night Live. Yeah, I was making 20000 a month. In fact, I won the Pulitzer Prize that year. Yeah, that's it, ticket. You have a serious credibility problem. I mean, there have been times I would literally body slam CNN and I'm a diehard libtard. There's a reason why people don't think CNN is reliable. It's because CNN has demonstrated repeatedly over the years that they're not to be trusted. Their incessant pursuit of sensationalism over accuracy. Their pathetic attempts to portray themselves as balanced by having the worst kind of pricks on the air, lending them legitimacy by putting their lying fucking mouths on television without calling them out for being bullshitters. Hi, remember the entire Trump primary? Only in the past nine months has CNN demonstrated any willingness to call out the mendacity of politicians on any consistent basis, and it's come too little and too late. And because CNN is so ubiquitous, it's the source for anyone who watches the news who's not mired in a foxhole. So it's tarred journalists and journalism because of its obsession with ratings over reality. You know what? I don't fucking trust CNN either. But I don't consider CNN news and is definitely not journalism. CNN is cable blather that puts current events on without context. It's the media equivalent of a gossiping neighbor who has the best tidbits first, but never seems to get the facts entirely correct. And CNN is not alone in their terribles. The fucking White House Correspondents Association whines and mews like hungry, hungry kittens because their cameras were turned off. Do your fucking jobs! All the other networks engage in the same kind of brainless rush to fill their airwaves with crap. And you might think I'm talking about Fox, but I'm not. Fox News is the most honest cable network on the air today. I'm sorry, I just started hearing really loud circus music in my head. What did you say? I said that Fox News is the most honest cable network on the air. They are blatantly and openly 
the propaganda arm of the White House and the Republican Party. So when Trump squats out a corn-laden turd, right there is Fox News, mouth wide open beneath him, so it can run back and mama bird that shit-fucking pile into the waiting maws of millions of brain-dead Trumpanistas. MSNBC because it's kind of the same thing for liberals, but they still want to pretend they're better than the other two. CNN, at least, is a bipartisan disaster. Though, to be fair, and I have to give credit where it's due, the Rachel Maddow show was handed a beauty of a scoop recently full of salacious and damning details in the form of a classified document detailing the name of a Russian collaborator in the Trump administration. Where CNN and Fox, and if the document, well, if Fox, if the document were about Hillary Clinton, would likely knock old ladies on rascal scooters to get such hot shit on the air, Maddow actually vetted the information to discover it was a fabricated bullshit. Very well fabricated bullshit. So well fabricated and suspiciously timed bullshit that she all but directly insinuated that the Trump White House or their operatives were responsible for producing it. And she did not publish the bullshit story. They even warned other networks to look hard at their scoops because someone out there has hired a decent Photoshopper and put them on their staff. He's probably very experienced putting Pepe heads on things. You might ask what I think about ABC, NBC, or CBS. I don't think they exist. And because CNN isn't so bad and it's joined by the hit parade of dumbasses that form the other big cable networks and their full-blown blather brothers of Facebook's ability to disseminate blatant idiocy faster than a fart in a crowded elevator, journalism has lost its credibility. Anyone associated with journalism has been tarred with the epithet liberal elitist and considered utterly untrustworthy. I mean shit. NPR, whose news division is perhaps the last true bastion of objective reporting left in the country, and I mean the news division, not the individual shows or podcasts, tweeted out the Declaration of Independence 140 characters at a time over the 4th of July weekend and was attacked as either advocating revolution, which, uh, yeah, hi America, that's exactly what the, the Declaration was literally doing, or as an attack on Trump, because some of the lines were just too perfect. Not since the McCarthy era has journalism become so hated by Americans. I found this story from July 4, 1951 out of Madison, Wisconsin, where a reporter could not get Americans to sign a petition which was exact passages from the Declaration of Independence and the Bill of Rights. Because as McCarthy put it himself, it was put out by a communist editor of a communist newspaper. And so... We have come to the portion of our show where I say, welcome to the way back. Tail Gunner Joe McCarthy was the junior Republican senator from Wisconsin from 1946 until his death in 1957 from alcohol-related illness. They called him Tail Gunner Joe because he wildly inflated his military service during World War II. He uh, claimed he flew a bunch of combat missions in the Pacific that he didn't, won some medals that no one gave him, and uh, he even went so far as forging Admiral Nimitz's name on his own letter of commendation. Mark Carthy was, to uh, put it mildly, a lying sack of shit about everything. But he was extremely good at being a lying sack of shit. After all... It's not every man that gets his very own ism. Joe did get his own ism, and it damn near broke the United States of America in doing so. The reason Crazy Joe is our way back is because he also had a broken and dysfunctional media on his side. 
I mean, the Red Scare that McCarthy was the pinnacle of was the creation of the media more than reality. The House Un-American Activities Commission had been around since before the war, but it really got rolling in earnest in 1947 by looking into the subversive elements in Hollywood. And Hollywood was huge numbers for the media. The more scandalous and scurrilous, the better. So commies in the movies made for good business in the papers. They breathlessly covered the hearings of the Hollywood Ten and happily portrayed a commie in every corner because it sold papers. Did they actually believe any of the things they printed? Did it matter? What mattered is distribution was up and their ratings were up. HUAC might be bad for America, but it was good for CBS. McCarthy was not the creation of the media, but he understood how to use the media to serve his own goal like somebody from, I don't know, 70 years later? And the media thought they could control him. After all, they were the ones feeding his starvation for attention with their cameras and column inches. But as Twain said, if you pick up a starving dog and make him prosperous, he will not bite you. This is the principal difference between a dog and a man. And it wasn't long before Tail Gunner Joe sunk his teeth into the press. Mm. Tastes like chicken. Scrambling, the media companies could only react, and CBS was the first one to require a loyalty oath from their employees, and all the others soon followed. None of this stopped McCarthy from labeling the press as dens of communism and traitors to democracy. Joe knew that reporters had a habit of finding out inconvenient truths and then telling the public about them. So the best way to keep them from digging too deeply into the things left unknown was to paint them as the enemy of America, not the enemy of McCarthy. And because the monster that fed their appetites could not be conveniently turned off, they frequently found themselves the vehicle for conveying his attacks against them any of this sound familiar mccarthy actually kicked and slapped a reporter in a dupont circle restaurant although i i doubt joe made a donation of the committee to protect journalists after he did it it was in fact drew pearson the mo who was the most dogged reporter taken on mccarthy that got slapped and kicked the muckraker that was pearson spent years documenting the myriad hypocrisies and lies of the wisconsin commie hunter but he lacked the reputation and position to do any real damage. I mean, Pearson was a syndicated columnist and it was widely read, but he wasn't widely respected by the media establishment. It was Edward R. Murrow that finally shot down Tailgunner Joe. Earlier, the senator asked, upon what meat does this our Caesar feed? Had he looked three lines earlier in Shakespeare's Caesar, he would have found this line, which is not altogether inappropriate. The fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but in ourselves. No one familiar with the history of his country can deny that congressional committees are useful. It is necessary to investigate before legislating. But the line between investigating and persecuting is a very fine one, and the junior senator from Wisconsin has stepped over it repeatedly. His primary achievement has been in confusing the public mind as between the internal and the external threats of communism. We must not confuse dissent with disloyalty. We must remember always that accusation is not proof and that conviction depends upon evidence and due process of law. We will not walk in fear one of another. We will not be driven by fear into an age of unreason if we dig deep in our history and our doctrine. And remember that we are not descended from fearful men. 
Murrow was news to Americans. His voice, his face, the definition of truth. And if it's true that Murrow waited until the political tide had already turned, and there were those who disputed whether or not Murrow was the antidote to the poison of McCarthy, many others did as much or more, but it was definitely Murrow that had the audience who knew that he could not lie to them. He was integrity, and if Murrow said it, it was good enough for them. In the history of American journalism, only Walter Cronkite would carry this kind of trust and respect in the future. And sadly, today, we've got no Murrows and definitely no Walter Cronkites. It's not hard to see the parallels between the madman of Madison and the monomaniacal moron of Manhattan. They're both creatures of the media, who owe the media for their rise to prominence, and then both turned on the machines that made them prominent. Both benefited from the paranoia and fear of their times with messages designed to afflict the fearful with false reasons to fear. And if we were not descended from fearful men as in Murrow's time, the descendants post-Murrow are muling bedwetters afraid of everyone unlike them. Like with McCarthy, the media waited too long to hold Trump to account. They let him get too powerful, and then they had to decide whether they would comply or resist. And to their credit, most have chosen to resist. Unfortunately for us, they lacked the trust and unity of purpose their predecessors had during the age of McCarthy. The media today is a fractured, squabbling, competitive group of disparate and desperate agencies grasping at the scraps left on the table in the Internet age. Only the strongest newspapers, such as the New York Times or the Jeff Bezos-infused Washington Post, have the resources to do the kind of work needed to take down a tyrant. And any hopes of the press, perhaps the country's salvation, lies in their newsrooms, not cable news. Unfortunately, cable news is the dominant source of news in the nation, and the prognosis for them being trustworthy is, uh... It's not good. It would take a credibility transplant from a donor of such reputation, such sterling integrity and unimpeachable decency, that no one could ever think they would breathe a word of falsehood. A person instantly recognizable by everyone and free of any taint of partisanship or preference. Someone who's never made their politics a matter of public discourse. Someone who's familiar with history and yet still on the cutting edge of popular culture. They would need to be the most trusted person in America according to the most recent surveys. They would need to be... I know, but like, who are you? I'm David Pumpkins, man! Okay, yeah, yeah, and David Pumpkins is... His own thing! And the skeletons are... Part of it! That's right, I'm calling on CNN to hire Tom Hanks as their president and lead anchor. Make Tom Hanks the face of news in America. Only Tom can provide all of America the friendly, trustworthy, respectable presence of Murrow or Cronkite with a modern media sensationalism kids crave. Who would you rather hear tell you about the latest idiocy coming from Washington? Wolf Blitzer or the man who played Forrest Gump? Jim Lovell and personally faced down a volcano. 
Hanks appeals to both sides of the political aisle. His Hollywood celebrity makes him appealing to liberals who feel good while his deep and abiding respect for the American military, as displayed in his many World War II epics, lets conservatives also know he cares deeply for our veterans and institutions. I know right now you're thinking this is a joke that I'm making fun of having Tom Hanks be the face of truth in America. I assure you, I am not. I am dead seriously. I am honestly believe if we made Tom Hanks both the president with real power over editorial decisions and the lead anchor of CNN, it would restore the desperately needed credibility and decorum in a time we need it more than ever. If a man can play a national damn hero like Sully Sullenberger and make a 10-minute story into an actually watchable feature-length film about a guy landing a plane in a river, he can take the shit show of cable news and that make that watchable, informative, and above all, trustworthy. All we have to do is convince CNN to do this and then convince Tom. And damn it, I think Tom would do it for America. Look, a free and independent press is the first and best defense of democracy. The power of truth is the only true fear of the tyrant. And this is why a free and independent press is always the first to fall when a tyrant comes to power. Why journalists are demeaned and diminished and destroyed. The ability to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable is the reason why free people remain free. Why wars do not march across our nations. The conservative may dismiss this and call out to the soldiers defenders of our freedom, but speaking as an ex-soldier, I am more grateful to the press for preventing me and my kind from ever being called to wage war against our own people. You may dislike the bias of the liberal media, and you may call them the enemy of the people, but the women and men seeking the truth and putting it on the page before you do more to keep you safe and secure than all the missiles and bullets used in the history of our history because they kept them pointed away from you and toward the real enemies who seek to destroy truth and deny you the chance to know the lies behind power. The press is not perfect. They are as flawed as any human institution. They're subject to the demands of capitalism and the blandishments of human vanity. But in the end, they exist to serve you. They exist to serve us as the check on the power we grant to those who lead our nation. Without them, without their ceaseless pursuit of truth, we are left with only blood to redress our grievances. This is why the founders enshrined them in the Constitution over any other profession. They are there to tell us what is happening and to allow us to decide for ourselves if our leaders are serving the interest of the many or the interest of themselves. Each time Trump tweets out a turd attacking the press, he shows his fear that he understands that he is not all-powerful. Trump is afraid of the press because he knows that what CNN giveth, CNN can taketh away. And he may be a venal and vain man. But he understands he can only cling to power as long as his lies are not overshadowed by the directed light of truth held up by some pasty nerd with a notebook and a camera. When Trump attacks the press, when he calls them the enemy of the American people, he's saying that the American people are the enemy because they are our eyes, our ears. This gives license to the alt-right rat fucks threatening journalists with lynching and assembling outside their homes. Now that rises to something that you should be concerned about if you're a journalist. 
That could get someone killed by one of these mouth-breathing, gun-toting Trump cards. So yes, it's fair and proper that we look upon the failures of our media and blame them for their tendency to chase the click and run with the sensational. But in the end, we need them. We, they are the ones doing the real work, tearing down a tangerine tyrant. We need them to speak truth to power and truth to the people. You need not take as gospel the words of vapid talking heads on cable networks. But when those vapid talking heads all keep saying the same thing over and over again, maybe, just maybe, you could see the reality that they're shouting fire because the house is burning down and not because it draws a crowd. Oh, and seriously, CNN, I know I've been hard on you tonight because you guys suck. I mean, you guys got some great reporters and all that sort of stuff. But by and large, your network sucks. So, uh, seriously, as a friend, take that Tom Hanks thing and run with it. I really think it would work. (laughs) That is it for our show this week. It was a short week for us on the show. We were busy drinking our way our 4th of July weekend. Oh, God, honestly, four days off is just too much. My liver is actually crying and begging me to give it a break. Please! Please help. Shut up, liver. You're fine. Um, <laughs> my liver sounds like Nick Cage. Well, when I think about it, that actually does make a lot of sense. I've done horrible things to it. If you would like to do horrible things to other people's liver, then by all means, drive them to drink by rating this show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get the show. Trust me, after a few episodes of this baby, they will be doubting them early. Follow my drunken ramblings at the hell underscore podcast on Twitter and the show name on Facebook and all the shows are on SoundCloud and at www.whatthehellpodcast.com. For me, Dave Bledsoe, my steely-eyed newsman, producer Gavin, and all the other fictional cub reporters on the show, we want to say we make our living off the evening news. That should do. Just, so just give us something. Something we can use. People love it when they lose. Give us... This dirty laundry. Is this song about my the, the press or my dirty underwear, Gavin? I don't know. This was your choice to pick out. We'll see you all next week.
Seltzer Kings. Podcasts.